Hey, y'all. This is Ed with Progress Texas. As a progressive media organization, we follow Texas politics at the state and national level every day. It can be complicated. That's why we share our insider perspectives with you to tell the story of what we're fighting for, what we're up against, and to make it easier for you to keep up with what's going on in our state. Please be sure to check us out at ProgressTexas.org and share it with a friend. And with that, enjoy the show. the Progress Texas Happy Hour. Hey everyone, it's Sattvik Alawalia and your host for the spookiest Progress Texas Happy Hour of 2021. Ah! I'm joined by Progress Texas Advocacy Director Dana Gomez, Development Manager Brett Isaacs, and President Ed Espinoza. This week we're covering updates on redistricting and abortion lawsuits, and then our spookiest events, things, people, or sessions of 2021. Uh, Before we start, this is a happy hour, so what's everyone drinking today? Brett? I have a mug with some wine in it, which is perfectly adequate. Is it spooky wine? (laughs) Um, No, it's just drinking wine, which is my favorite kind. Very, very true. What about you, Diana? Um, I poured some truly in a cup. Ah! Wow. Switching it up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cold outside for me as a Texan. Um, This is cold for me. And so I I didn't want a cold hand, so I put it in this. You know, Diana, I got to say, you're creating all these truly amazing opportunities for sponsorship. You know, truly, it's such a uh, versatile drink. You can have it, it in is. a can. You can have it, it in a plastic cup, maybe mm-hmm. even a glass cup. I don't know. Yeah. You could have an anything. Exactly. Ed, what about you? Also drinking white wine. We had it here oh. in the office, and uh, it was readily available. <laughs> Nothing spooky about it. And I'm actually also having red wine um, in this really lovely faux Moscow mule cup. So... I wanted to be honest about what it was. It would be cool if it was Moscow Mule, but it's not. Not Wesley. <laughs> not Wesley. No. I can't ever replace it. So the you know the first thing I wanted to talk about is a couple quick updates on these two big things we've talked about week after week: abortion and redistricting. Um, Ed, do you want to dive in and give us an update about what's happening in the redistricting world when it comes to lawsuits? Yeah. So as a as a reminder, uh, Texas has redrawn its legislative districts, its congressional districts uh, here in the state, as well as our state board of education districts. There is a challenge to those districts now that the governor has signed that those maps. He signed the bill authorizing those maps. They are now the maps that we are to go off of unless this court case says differently. So one of the major groups, a, a number of major groups have filed suit. And the case is that these lines were drawn based on race, mm. not on politics. And it's pretty evident when you see that 95% of the state's growth was people of color and not one district was gained that is a majority minority area. So this is very similar to what happened 10 years ago when 85% of the state's growth was people of color and we didn't see much change. The courts did intervene there, though it took them, took them some time. I expect that they will intervene again. We can hope that it's gonna be quick, but you just never know. And unfortunately, that's all we know at this point. I, I have a question, Ed, um, since you saw it happen uh, once before, like what, who then redraws the maps if the court sides with with us? It's like a ping pong match, right? It goes back and forth. So. The, the courts will send it back to the legislature. The legislature might make an adjustment or the courts themselves could decide that they are suddenly going to be the map makers and mm. they may draw some maps. And then, of course, 
the, the, the folks defending the legislators' maps would then appeal it, it would go to a higher court, and then that higher court will decide, was it the lower court that should draw the maps? Was it the legislatures that should draw the maps? So uh, the answer is is a very murky, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Texas politics for you. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like any fun at all. No, 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 it's not, not one bit. <laughs> and Diana, you, you, you were talking earlier about some updates around uh, the SCOTUS court case. Fill us in. Yeah, definitely. So, um, as we have all known for you know a long time, um, that Texas is involved in uh, some lawsuits, um, and what a lot of folks might not know is that they're actually going before the Supreme Court next week, starting on November first. Now, abortion care has been almost nearly impossible to access in Texas since SB eight. The nation's most restrictive abortion ban has gone into effect on September 1st, um, but next week, oral arguments in front of the Supreme Court will begin on two lawsuits uh, that are involving Texas and this abortion ban. One is the United States versus Texas, uh, with uh, the Department of Justice being the representative of the United States, and Whole Women's Health uh, v. Jackson. Now, something really important to note here is that the oral arguments, the results of them that will begin next week, um, will not decide whether or not to strike down Texas's six-week abortion ban um, as unconstitutional, even though we all know it's extremely unconstitutional because of Roe versus Wade. What it will instead do is address key components um, in these two cases. So um, in the order, um, that the uh, Supreme Court released uh, about these cases. It stated that the Department of Justice case, which is the U.S. versus Texas, will decide whether the federal government has the right to sue in federal court to block the law's enforcement. And in the Whole Woman's Health case, the court will evaluate the ban's private enforcement structure. Um, so it's still very important. Um, it actually, uh, the Supreme Court had uh, decided it would hear these cases later in December, which is when the Supreme Court usually hear these cases, but the Department of Justice is asking them to hear them as soon as possible, and that's why it's starting next week. Progress Texas will keep an eye on the um, the cases, the results, and uh, we'll have an explainer up on our website with more information about these cases up soon uh, so that you can go and, and read more about it. Uh, I, I just think it's like, it's so weird um that if like Texas defines that we can like, just like send our neighbors to like, sp you know, spy and spook and ghost other people uh, for getting an abortion, like why can't California do the same thing for guns, right? Or like why can't Massachusetts say, hey, uh, Sampik, if you know that Ed didn't get vaccinated, like call the cops on him. And it's like, it's like not even, a, it's like so much bigger than abortion. It's about like every single part of American life. It's, it's pretty spooky, um, which gets us to the scary stories of 2021. Uh, and I'm gonna kick it off with what I think is like the worst Halloween costume of 2021. Uh, you all might know Mitt Romney. Uh, he's this guy from Massachusetts or Utah or somewhere. Uh, he's run for president many times and lost, which is a good thing. But he dressed up as one of my favorite characters, Ted Lasso. Okay, and he is no Ted Lasso. If he wanted to be a Ted, he could dress up as, you know, swamp creature Ted Cruz, um, but not Ted Lasso, who's like, like, Ted Lasso's my spirit animal. And to see Mitt Romney, this like soulless evil person who's like trying to take stuff away from poor Americans, it's like, 
don't put Ted Lasso on. I can't accept it. And if you've seen the photo on Twitter, which hopefully you haven't, because Twitter also is an evil swamp of a place, uh, there's another person in the image. Uh, and I know Brett has some feelings about this person. Brett, let out. Ooh, um, the spookiest person of 2021 for me has got to be <laughs> Kirsten Cinema. Ah! Everyone's mm. least favorite um, person, not just senator from Arizona, not just senator, everyone's least favorite person. And the thing about Kirsten Cinema that really gets me, I know this is maybe seems less important than some of the other things, but if you're going to behave like a Bond villain, why not at least have the fashion sense to dress like one? But instead, every time I see a picture with her, it's almost like it, it's almost disrespectful how bad she manages to look while she's, you know, disrespecting all of our, you know, rights and our priorities. And, you know, I was saying to myself when we were talking about this, that I wouldn't get personal, but Sothic rightfully pointed out that she is getting personal with the fact that she doesn't want to grant us any of the things that we've been, you know, lock walking and knocking on doors for to get this democratic majority in the house, the Senate to get a Democrat in the white house. So, you know what, Kirsten Cinema, your fashion sense sucks. <laughs> Did anybody see the, the thing on Twitter where the, the musician Aaron Neville posted <laughs> the picture of what he was wearing compared to what she was wearing when she was wearing like the denim vest jacket <laughs> over like a black shirt and, and sitting at the head of the Senate and he just tweeted out I believe I wore it better. <laughs> he did. Anyone would have worn that better. Yeah, anyone would have definitely worn it better. Have y'all seen, I, I feel like I've seen a, a lot of Twitter threads recently comparing cinema to various items. One was cinema as a thread of pictures of different dumpsters across the United States that were just spray painted in different colorful ways. And <laughs> she looked exactly like each one of them. It was this is true. amazing. She is a... Um, she has been a successful politician because she has been able to kind of like move and modify with the politics of Arizona. The problem is, is that like right now, Arizona is moving more to the left and has been for a while. And she's not. And she talks about wanting to get things done. But like all she's doing is impeding things from getting done out there. I really don't understand where she's coming from. I know that nobody else does either. But oh, no, no. We know why she's doing what she's doing. It's because he's raising the big bucks, you know, like, like, let's be real. Why does Ted Cruz do what he does? The only time she says what she's thinking is at fundraiser meetings. I mean, yeah. and I'm in development. I'm not opposed to you saying things to donors, mm -hmm. but that should not be the only time that you're communicating with the people who are your constituents. I mean, it's yeah. absurd. This is the United States of America. It's supposed to be one person, one vote. But instead, yeah. you know, rather than helping out the people who elected her, She's treating it like this is her, you know, retirement plan for after the Senate term. Side note, I worked with her a bit back in 2006 when I was working mm. in Arizona and got, got to know her over the years. She, I'll be honest with you, I mean, seemed like a very uh, smart politician back then. And um, I'm sure in some ways that she thinks what she's doing is smart in terms of Arizona's politics, but I don't see it. I know you guys don't either. And in the meantime, she's ruining Ted Lasso along with Mitt Romney. So <laughs> I let's mean, move on to the next one. He must be possessed. Maybe. Maybe. Haunted. Yeah. <laughs> Diana, what is your scary story for 2021? Um, my scary story is, speaking of hauntings, well, I, I guess this is, I think of him more as like a zombie, actually something that's not human um, at, at all. Uh, Ted Cruz, <laughs> who is always haunting us and seems to be forever haunting us, but hopefully 
one day nevermore will be. But recently during a questioning uh, that, that he was doing with Attorney General uh, Merrick Garland, uh, he sort of stood up for a really weird thing to stand up for and defend, which was uh, parents uh, making Nazi salutes at school board meetings, um, very much pointing out that they had the, the right to do that, uh, which just a weird thing to, to come out and defend. But, you know, I don't know why I'm surprised at Ted Cruz defending something terrible like that. He, uh, of all the things to get worked up over, like, yes, okay, somebody does has a constitutional right to free speech and to defend Nazis, but like, if you're a U.S. Senator, is this the hill you die on? Is this the one you pick to champion? Ted Cruz, even you should be able to read the room, Ted Cruz. The problem is that he kind of can read the room because I was on his website, which is hysterical. I really hope Google doesn't remi- like remember that. But <laughs> I was on his website reading through the transcript of that exchange, and I did a command F search. And you know what word was conveniently missing from that transcript was the word Nazi. What? He did not have a like mention of that specific exchange in this transcript that's supposed to be presented to, I guess, donors and supporters and available for the public. So it's a convenient rewriting of what happened. And in addition, the context of that exchange, I think, is really important because, you know, I obviously many things are protected under the First Amendment. However, his point was not that these people have a right to do what they did, which they technically do, however important it is. His point was that Merrick Garland was incorrect in classifying a Nazi salute as potentially violent or classifying it Mm. under a rise in like potentially violent demonstrations. And he was saying, you know, why would you say that that's potential violence? Well, Ted, I think there's a lot of, you know, historical background that would explain why if you would care to listen or read, but maybe that's too much CRT for you. Well, I mean, to your point, Brett, like learning about Nazis might hurt his feelings because we don't talk about them really kindly in history books. Uh, and as, as we all know, like the, the facts don't care about your feelings crowd is now feelings first crowd um, trying to ban books and everything. So it makes perfect sense why he'd be offended that like we would degrade Nazis like that. And Ed, I know you had the spookiest stories of all. Well, I don't know if it's the spookiest. It's definitely one of the spookiest this week. I mean, Ted Cruz and Nazis, is, it's hard to beat that one. But since we're talking about the subject of uh, fascism and Nazis, let's, uh, let's talk about something that State Representative Matt Krause here in Texas did this week. He came out with a list of books that he said should be banned from Texas classrooms. That's right, folks. He wants, actual ban, he wants to have an actual book ban He didn't go so far as to say book burning, but it's probably not far behind. Here's a list of some of the things that he wanted banned. Um, An African-American and Latinx history of the United States. Uh, W is for welcome, a celebration of America's diversity. Pride, the story of Harvey Milk and the rainbow flag. Uh, Here's one that's very controversial, sexual health information for teens. Yeah, and then Roe v. Wade, abortion and women's right to privacy. So, look, I mean, these are <laughs> the. I don't think that any of these are controversial books, nor ones that are hard to find anywhere. And another thing to think about here, when you tell kids, teenagers, 
that they can't have something, it only makes them want it more. And the thing is, is that you, all of this is like a five second Google search away from anybody else. So I think that what he's doing is he actually ends up creating more interest for these things, more demand, but it doesn't stop him from wanting to completely just like ban it, ban books. And I think that that's an extremely spooky thing heading into this Halloween. I feel like we're gonna start seeing different um, forbidden books being trafficked from across our state lines from other states and create this like desperate one from them in back alleys and exchanging these books. With, <laughs> like, a, like a trench coat. Yeah. Hey buddy, you want to buy a book? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited to start running like a black market, you know, banned book library from my car trunk. So mm -hmm. you can look out for that. It's a blue uh, Toyota Corolla and I will be I will. I will have the the stash. You know, you know those like little free libraries in front of people's houses. Yeah, like, yeah. You'll have. You're gonna have like like a uh, like an underground railroad, but like of free libraries where people pass the banned books around, and like it's gonna be like like Clifford the Big Red Dog or something like. <laughs> you know, there, there's a website I found where you can translate everyday normal English words into conservative speak, and when you type in <laughs> ban, do you want to guess what word comes up when you can't when you type in ban? Cancel. Ah. So the folks who are fighting cancel culture, quote unquote, for those listening on the podcast, are trying to cancel books. They're trying to cancel Harvey Milk, trying to cancel women's rights. I mean, I guess we should have seen it coming, but that's some spooky ass stuff. I think another I mean, they literally are trying to cancel women's rights. So. 100%. Yeah, literally. We talked about it earlier in the show. Yeah. Another word that reminds me of is uh, snowflake. Now, besides uh, the tiny puppy that Ted Cruz abandoned, when besides thinking of Snowflake as the dog, also, these are the people that talk about don't hurt, you know, th that people's feelings, but it feels like anything that makes them uncomfortable or makes them feel hurt, they want to ban these books and no one to talk about it at all. Yeah. Actually, we should make a series of books about things that they've, that are spooky to them. So, you know, Ted Cruz and the flight to Cancun. Like, I think that would be, like, you know? <laughs> Uh, we didn't, uh, you know, speaking of Ted Cruz, one of the, do you guys know he hates avocados? What? Of course he does. <laughs> oh my God. That he makes so much sense. Ted Cruz hates avocados. This is a fact and we know it because he told us. Google it. Google Ted Cruz avocados, Dallas Observer. That, that was the, they're the ones who broke the story like some 10 years ago. Or just uh, just go on the Progress Texas site and type in avocados. It'll probably be the only thing that comes up. <laughs> he hates them. He can't stand them. And this is what happens when you elect a senator in Texas who is actually from Canada. You get somebody who doesn't identify with you and hates avocados. Just and like he even says it. he's like, I hate them. Just hate them. Well, what kind of hate speech is that? You know what? Yeah. That's probably why he's so rich. He's not eating avocado toast like all of us millennials. Uh, keeping point. us locked in <laughs> poverty. I mean, yeah, yeah but that and probably the backdoor campaign donations. I mean, no. all, let's not be crazy. <laughs> avocados are expensive, but not that expensive. Definitely the avocados. I want to bring up one more spooky thing, and this spooky thing person session has been haunting us since January first, basically, and it's the special sessions and legislative sessions. <laughs> This was so spooky. I still can't sleep at night. I mean, Dana, Ed, like you guys were so involved with the lead session and special. What are like some of the spookiest things that 
that you can remember? Oh, oh God, you mean the spookiest things I'm trying to forget? Uh, permitless carry, banning abortion, making it harder to vote. Oh God, one of my lists here, attacking kids, trying to let COVID run rampant. I feel like Governor Abbott has given me so much PTSD. One, in the fact that they didn't spend any of this legislative session fixing our power grid. And so I feel like anytime the light flickers, I'm just like thinking, are, are the power gonna go out again? You know, what are, what are we gonna do? And then also, uh, you know, we're pretty sure that the last special session has ended. It's over. But every day, I just, I don't want to jinx it. I get scared he's going to call another one. Yeah! Well, man, this was, I'm scared right now. I need to go hang out with my daughter because she makes me feel safe. <laughs> <laughs> well, as folks can see, uh, the legislation session is over. The next campaign hasn't really kicked off yet. So we get a chance to talk about some of the spooky stories that happened <laughs> the past year. Maybe have a little fun, do a lighter podcast this week. Uh, if folks are interested in some of our materials, uh, our Humans Against Ted Cruz materials, you can go to the Progress Texas web store, get your Humans Against Ted Cruz sign, and uh, <laughs> you can get a Humans Against Ted Cruz sticker on the web store. You can get it at Halloween, you can get it for Christmas. Actually, you can get it all year, all year round. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my plug, our product placement plug. Folks, we don't have a sponsor. So we got to sponsor ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's what this we is. truly wish that we had a truly great sponsor yes. to truly mm -hmm. help us, you know. Spread the, the, the word. One of these spread days. the truly yes. good work. Yes. Yeah. And get, get your stickers early. Get your shopping done early. Because, you know, mm -hmm. supply chain issues. That's right. Spooky supply chain problems. Spooky. Yeah, Diana, I'm still waiting on that Democratic candidate. When is that one coming? <laughs> supply chain. Supply oh, chain. Oh, God. <laughs> really backed up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Truly, actually, like what happens in California then causes a backup here in Texas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Don't love that. Diana, Brett, Ed, thanks for lending your expertise and your amazing storytelling skills. Uh, to everyone who's <laughs> watching and listening, thanks for joining us. Head over to progresstexas.org to follow us on social and subscribe to our email list. If you're listening to us, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. Have a really spooky weekend and we'll see you all next week. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. The Progress Texas Happy Hour is a production of Progress Texas, a rapid response media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. Find us online at progresstexas.org and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The podcast is produced by me, Chris Mosier, with music by Walker Lukens. Please subscribe and share, and thanks so much for listening. See you again next week.